Good evening. It may take me a while just to sort myself out a little bit, but um, as Joe said, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. It's my privilege to lead the team here. If you've got your Bible, why don't you turn to Joshua chapter 5? Um, that's where we're, we will be getting to um, in the end, um, but it may take us a little while to get there. I'm so grateful to God for his um, incredible um, faithfulness to us, aren't you? There are, there are so many uh, ways that he is good to us, and uh, um, I'm just too good at forgetting them. I'm too, I'm too good at not remembering and not realizing um, how faithful he is. And uh, just that opportunity we had even this evening just to worship God, to connect with him, to come together um, as a community of people and to know that God is right here. He has made his home among us. And as we were worshiping him, he wasn't far away. He wasn't high up in the heavens. He was right down in the middle of us, in the midst of us, meeting with his people, us. And it's an absolute privilege to know that and to know that when we're singing songs like he's the lion of Judah, the lion and the lamb, and, and just knowing that closeness um, is absolutely um, awesome. And we can so easily take those things for granted. But we are God's people. And he loves to manifest himself. He loves to make himself um, known to us. There are so many reasons to be grateful to him. Just thinking baptisms last week. Do you enjoy baptisms? I love baptisms. And wasn't it, too gr- wasn't it great to baptize two young men who are part of this congregation in the evening meeting. Don't you think that's great? I mean, the, the meetings, this meeting's been going for about three years, and uh, David and Adam, this is your home. This, this meeting is yours, and we're their family. And it's just such an immense privilege to see that. Wonderful, isn't it, just to hear of eight people responding to the gospel over over the last few months. Again, we can take all these things for granted, but we've got involved in eternal things in people's lives. Once they were darkness, now they are light in God. It's absolutely wonderful. It's absolutely brilliant. And we get to play a part. And there are seasons in our church life where actually we don't see anyone respond to the gospel. And, and yet we've just seen this... Um, just richness and such blessing. We are so privileged. We have so much to be grateful to God for. I was thinking even, even in the sadness of losing Julie recently, but also just seeing the love and care expressed within our church for one another and how we've loved one another, cared for each other through real grief. Again, it's just a, I'm so grateful to God that I'm part of this family, that I'm in a church and it's you. It's such a privilege um, to be here. I'm so grateful for San and Em. So grateful for who they are, for their children, what they bring to us as a community of people. I'm sad that they're leaving, but I'm grateful that we've been able to partner and... um, do a bit of the journey together. So thankful for God um, for that, that privilege.
But I'm also really, really grateful to God that in the midst of saying goodbye to them, um, we're able to share good news of what God is doing in us into the future. And before we get into Joshua chapter 5, I just want to share a little bit about um, some changes that are taking place for us as a church um, and within the leadership of the church, and in particular, two families that we have got the privilege of uh, knowing they are going to be joining us um, in September. The first family I want to introduce to you, they're not here physically, but beautiful photos of them will come up behind me as I'm talking, or I hope they will. Um, the, first, the first family I want to introduce to you are Sam and Claire Acrossi. In September, they will be joining us as a church family. They've got two little boys, Jedediah and Zachariah. Um, at present, they are living in Accra in Ghana. Um, you may remember them. They've visited us a number of times before, and Sam has preached here at King's. They're moving to Hastings, where Claire has got a teaching job. She will be teaching geography at Buckswood School. Sam has been an elder in the church at Accra for many years. He's been the headmaster of the church school. He's traveled on behalf of the church there um, and has got a broad experience in church leadership. He's a very humble um, and gifted leader, and I'm really thrilled um, to know that they are coming to join us. Initially, he had focused on settling the family into UK church life, but I am looking forward to drawing him into church leadership as things settle down. And so it's a real privilege, it's a real joy to know that they will be coming um, and joining us. The second family that I want to introduce to you as well who will be joining us are Paul and Ros Edworthy. They have two children as well. That is Malachi and, Mad Malachi and Maddie. At the moment they are living in Scunthorpe. Some of you may remember them because they were because they were um, Christian schools worker down here in Hastings 15 years ago. Um, Paul's going to be joining the staff team. He's going to be joining as a pastor um, and uh, be looking to support Steve in particular in, in the pastoring um, life in the church. He will also be working um, with the midweek church life, small groups, community groups, and Alpha as well. They are an excellent, excellent family. Um, Paul's got big experience in pastoring. He's served in two different churches um, since he left us here at King's. And more recently, he's been working in coaching and mentoring um, young people in schools. He's also got a good evangelistic gift. I remember Joe saying when we were telling um, the, the staff team about this, Joe said it was the best school assembly she has ever been to when Paul did it. Um, and I really do believe that in Paul and Ros, we are getting real gifts um, from God. Paul has also been involved in church leadership and was in, has been involved in planting a church up in Scunthorpe um, as well. So they're moving, I think Scun, Scunthorpe is somewhere north of Watford. Okay, that's what I've been told, so um, I'm sure I'll find out more later on. Ros is a primary school teacher specialising in music. Um, uh, both of them are absolutely excellent at leading worship. They're a great family. They're a lot of fun. They have some wonderful links I know already with some of you. They've kept in contact, and so it is a real privilege that they too will be coming down at some point in August and joining us um, in September. 
I know they are looking forward to joining us as a family, and I know that we are going to welcome both families so very well, aren't we? As they come and join with us. Just a few comments I just want to make. Firstly, I just see God's timing all over this. You know, we haven't advertised in Christianity today or anything like that. We, we, we haven't gone out looking, but as San and Em and we started exploring the whole, the whole thing of them moving on, um, they, they, they just came across our radar. And so we're really, really grateful how God has prophetically opened this up. I remember God um, speaking very clearly to me. Someone from outside the King's family had a prophetic word for me about the leadership team saying he saw a 12-string guitar, two strings were getting taken out, two new strings were going to be put in. And if I'm totally honest, although I've worried about a number of things um, over the last nine months, San and M moving on hasn't been one of them, not because we won't miss them, because we will massively, but because God had already spoken that he was going to send people on and he's going to bring people to us. And so for me, I'm standing here just with just a real sense of gratefulness and thankfulness and wonder at God and what he has done um, there. Having said that, we have taken the whole sort of recruitment process, particularly with Paul and Ros, really seriously. Um, we spent four months, not a continuous discussion, but discussions with them. I mean, I've been past Watford for the first time. You know, I've, I've been up to Scunthorpe on the train. I tell you, it was a, it was a you know, real education for me. Um, and they have also been down to us a number of times, uh, which has been a real joy. I've had the privilege as well of speaking with some of the pastors that he has worked with, or the two pastors he's worked with um, historically. And we've had an awful lot of time discussing, talking. And so it's been a really good process that we've gone through, and we know it's a good fit. We know it's a good fit. Neither of these families are going to replace San and Emma and their kids. That's not the idea. That would downplay who San and M are for us. So they're not going to replace them, but they're going to bring something new. And we're very excited um, about that. And lastly, just to say, neither Sam or Paul are coming in as elders. That's not how it works. So for elders to be recognized, they need to be recognized by the church that they are in. That's you guys. And so we will wait and we will see what God will do. We've got excellent men here as well that we're looking to grow and develop into eldership too. We're just going to wait and see what God does as they minister among us. Me and Steve, as elders, also need to recognize something upon them too. They need to feel the call of God. And obviously, Dave Holden and uh, uh, New Ground and who we're linked in with and the oversight he brings, he needs to recognize something too. So we're just excited to see what God will do in this season and see how he will lead us. I've also got two other changes that I just want to highlight to you. Um, The first one is in connection with our very own Andrew Bunch. It has been a real... uh, It depends what I'm going to say, doesn't it, you know? You may not be cheering, you know, when you hear the news. Who was I talking about? Andrew, yes. Yes, that's right. Hasn't it been a real thrill to see how, how God has grown Andrew... Um, he's developed so much over the last two years. It's been great having him with us on his master, as he's done his master's degree um, as well, uh, two days a week. And I am absolutely thrilled to be able to say that as of September, um, Andrew will be joining staff four days a week. 
Um, he will be taking on a mixture of roles, both administrative and ministry. And we're very excited just to see what God will continue to do through Andrew um, with us and how God will continue to grow him. So I thought you'd be quite pleased um, about that. The other, um, other thing I just wanted to mention to you is a little while ago we advertised um, for someone to um, oversee and lead our children's work. You may have seen it um, if you get church news. If you don't read your church news, oh well, you should read it. Um, It's great to be able to announce that Kate Thurston um, has been appointed to the role of children's coordinator. She's going to be working for us two days a week. Kate has immense um, experience both at St. Paul's in what she has done there, as well as with our own um, children within the church. I don't think there could be a better person to fulfill that role. So... Kate isn't here this evening, but when you do see Kate, do encourage her and just tell her how pleased you are um, that she has been appointed to that role. Now, each of these different appointments, people that I have been speaking about, are so helpful to us as we look to strengthen for all God is calling us to do over the next couple of years. God has got plans for us over the next few years and it's so important that we are strengthened. We do believe that God has called us to reach out and grow church right across 1066 country from Bexhill to Rye and we need to strengthen if we're going to do that. This is going to be a fresh adventure for us all whether we stay in the 10 a.m. meeting, the 6.30 p.m. meeting or whether we go. All of us are going to need faith, obedience, patience, as we look to step out into all that God has for us. In September, I will share a little bit more about the venues that we are planning to plant over the next few years but I'm not going to talk about them now. (laughs) Have you got your Bibles open? Good. Joshua chapter 5. We very much feel as a leadership team and as an eldership, this is a prophetic prophetic word for where we're at at the moment. In other words, we feel there's something of God on it, particularly for now, for us as a community of people. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read it. I will pray briefly. um, And then I've got seven comments or seven observations that I'm going to take you through. Now, I have got, that means, what have I got? I've got 19 minutes, seven observations. That means two minutes an observation um, and a few other minutes to read the passage and do a few other bits like that. So let's read it. When Joshua was by, did I say it was chapter five, yeah? Verses 13 to 15. Okay, that wasted 30 seconds. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, 
Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Israel has been wandering in the desert for 40 years because they disobeyed God. Um, Moses had died, Joshua took over leading the people of God and they have just crossed over the Jordan River and they just crossed over the Jordan River, they're in the promised land and Joshua has this encounter with the commander of the army of the Lord. Seven observations I've got from this passage. I think that will be helpful for us. I'll just quickly pray. Lord, I ask you, would you please help me to preach well this evening? Would you fill me afresh of your Holy Spirit? And I pray would these words live um, in our hearts. Would we be open to everything you've got for us, I ask. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. The first thing I notice, actually not from this passage itself, but from the 13 verses before it, is the importance of holiness. So if you um, read the 13 verses before, what you will find is that the Israelites cross the um, Jordan River. They get to the other side. And now, what, what do you imagine? What do you imagine that God would have them do next? What God says is, gents, are there any of you with a flint knife going handy? And there probably weren't many who had a flint knife on them. They certainly didn't want a flint knife. Because God says, what I want you to do is 600,000 fighting men, every single one of you, I want you to be circumcised. That basically means not to be overly graphic. No children in the room, good. That basically means with the flint knife, I mean, and by the way, this is Bronze Age. So they had metal knives. I have no idea why flint knife. I'm sure their wives found it highly amusing, a bit of payback. But basically, what we're going to do is we're going to chop the foreskin off all of your willies. That got a laugh in the morning meeting as well. I bet they weren't laughing while it was happening. Please make sure the flint knife is sharp. Can you imagine World War II... Tens of thousands of men landing on the Normandy beaches. They have a successful first day. They've made the bridgehead. The American generals are working out where do we go next. And Montgomery stands up with his flint knife and says, Gents, before we can go any further, we have a small surgical procedure. It will be painful and it will take a number of days to heal. But this is really important before we go any further. That's pretty much what Joshua said to his Israelite army. I'm not certain his generals would have been overly keen. They were in enemy territory. They'd just crossed the Jordan. They were defenseless, or certainly wouldn't have wanted to fight anyway, for a number of days. But this was a sign of the covenant. This was a sign that God had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was a sign that, whole, that marked them out as God's people. They were a holy people. They were a set-apart people for God. And this was the sign that showed them that they were a set-apart people for God. They were God's covenant people. They were en- about to enter into God's covenant land for them. And it was really important that they lined themselves up with God's purposes and God's instructions at this time. Before they could take the land God had promised, they needed to make sure that they were set apart for him. 
God is always looking for a holy people. It's not that we come in holy, we come in far from that. But we serve and we worship a holy God and we need to be a people that are set aside, set apart for him. To put your minds at rest, we do not practice circumcision in the church. That is not what we're talking about here. But what we are talking about is us being a community of people that are set apart for him and his purposes. And we are entering into a season in church life where it's really important that we're not living in compromise. That we line our lives up with what God has said. That we make sure that we are not living in obvious disobedience to him. As best we know, we're lining up with him and his word. There's an importance to holiness in all God is calling us to do in the future. Secondly, what we notice is that this happens on the edge of fresh opportunities. It says in verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, they'd been waiting for years, the people of Israel, to get to this place. They'd been waiting to uh, stand on the fresh of this fresh um, advance, this fresh opportunity to take the promised land, on the edge of fresh missionary adventure for God. And I believe that is exactly where we find ourselves today. We are on the edge of fresh adventures with him. Thousands, hundreds and hundreds of years later, but we are on the edge of fresh adventures for him. Looking for fresh breakthrough in Bexhill, St. Leonard's, 1066 country. I believe it. I really believe that is why we're here. We're not here just to have nice services. We're not here just to have nice worship, although that is really, really important on the edge of fresh opportunities. The third thing I notice is I see a God interruption with Joshua. He, he was, he, I think he was sort of scoping out Jericho. He was looking at Jericho. I wondered if he was working out, are my ladders high enough? Do I have enough siege ramps? How many men am I going to lose in this assault on Jericho? And he raises his eyes and he comes face to face with the commander of the army of the Lord. This wasn't what Joshua expected to see at this point in time, but he has a God interruption. God interrupts his plans, his purposes. He is looking to get Joshua's attention. And there are times when God interrupts us. He interrupts us personally, and he interrupts us as a church. We have a God interruption. Now, in my experience, it's never as dramatic as it was for Joshua, But he has a habit. He uses preachers. He uses prophetic words. He uses words that our friends say to us. He uses the circumstances we find ourselves in to get our attention because he wants to speak to us. The question is, are we listening? Are your ears open? Are you aware when God wants to interrupt what you are doing? The Holy Spirit is looking to get your attention. I found personally, when I don't listen to prophetic words, he has a habit of lining up my circumstances to get my attention. When I don't go willingly, he lovingly puts me to a place where I have to look to him. Let me encourage you, if he's speaking to you, Have your ears open. Are you ready for a God interruption? Are you ready for him to speak to you? Is he speaking to you even now in this season of life? And are you you just sort of just, no, no, God, it's not really for now. 
Oh, don't make him put you in a place where you have no choice but to listen to him. The Holy Spirit is looking to get your attention. He's looking to get our attention as a community of people. He is passionate that we hear his voice and we prioritize him. Fourth thing I notice here is that Joshua needs to remember whose battle this is. Joshua's question reveals what he is thinking. He says, are you on my side? Or are you on our side? Or are you on our enemy's side? It's as though Joshua really thinks it's down to him and the Israelites against the Canaanites and the Amorites. It's as though this is really my battle. You know, this is really something I've got to fight. I've got to find a way through on this. I find I can do that so often. I don't know if you can. But God can set me off on a course. And before I know it, I'm taking responsibility for things that I shouldn't be. It's God's battle. I believe the things that God is calling us into are far big, far too big for us to succeed in. We need to know that it is God's battle. He is fighting for us. How can we? Come on, guys. How can we effectively reach 140,000 people in Hastings, St. Leonard's, and the surrounding area who need to hear about God's love? How on earth can we meet all of the brokenness that exists out there? How can we ever melt away all the pride that exists that believes they have no need of a saviour? We can't do this. This is far beyond our ability to do, but it's not our battle. It's God's battle. He just calls us to co-labour with him. He calls us to be willing to be interrupted. He calls us to line ourselves up with him. He calls us to remember, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In Psalm 46, where it says, Be still and know that I am God. How often are they the very words that God is speaking to me, knowing it's not my might, it's not my power, it's him. The Apostle Paul said, I struggle with all of his energy, which so powerfully works in me. How often is it my effort? No, I remember I'm serving God. This is his battle. And then, then point five. This is the sort of centerpiece of these verses that I've read. I think it's the centerpiece of the whole of the book of Joshua. This is, what, this is what the commander of the army of the Lord says. This is what God says to Joshua. He says, now I have come. Now I have come. I love it. In effect, God is saying, look, I'm not on your side. I'm not helping you in your work. This is my battle. These are my enemies. I'm the one who's going to bring success. This is my fight. Now I have come. And these are the words that he needed to hear for this battle, for this fight, for his Jericho. He needed to hear this here. You know, Joshua had had many encounters with God. He had seen um, all of the miracles in Egypt. He had seen the parting of the Red Sea. He'd been up the Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights where Moses got the Ten Commandments. He'd been there. He'd seen it all. He'd been in the tent of meeting. When Moses spoke to God as a man would speak to his friend, he had seen it all. But the encounter from the last time would not do. He needed fresh encounter with God. He needed a fresh encounter with the Lord of hosts for the fresh battle that he was fighting. 
And for a number of you guys, you've been through many battles. Some of you have got many scars. You know what it is to meet with God. You know what it is to come through. Do you know what we need, though, for this battle ahead? We need fresh encounters with God. Last year's encounter won't do. They had the tabernacle in the middle of the camp, the place where God dwelt, but God felt it necessary to reveal himself to Joshua as commander of the army of the Lord. It must have given him such faith and confidence and expectation for the coming battle. But what God's calling us to do, we need to be hungry for fresh encounters. Now I have come. What was his response? He worshipped. He worshipped. It's our highest calling. It's the most important of our occupations. Sandals off. I'm here to worship you. Worship comes before mission. Worship is the end result of mission. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshipped and he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? We could do a lot worse than copy Joshua's response in this season. I want to encourage you, be excellent worshippers. I don't know, just let me just throw it in there, just very briefly. Have you, have you ever worshipped God face down on the ground? Joshua did it. You know, when we worship God, we worship with our voices, we worship with our bodies, we worship with our emotion, we worship with our intellect. It's all of us. I mean, if you've never worshipped and laid on the face in worship to God. Let me just, I don't know, provoke you, encourage you. Why don't you give it a go this week? Put on some excellent worship music. Make sure there's no one else around. Shut the door. Just face down, I'm here for you. I'm going to worship you. Just express yourself to God in worship in a different way. And lastly, we find in... in, uh, at the end of these verses, we find that Joshua made space. These aren't the actions of a warrior, but a worshipper. Face down, sandals off, I'm here to worship. What did the Lord of hosts say? Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. Before the heat of battle, I'm going to worship. When I worship, God changes me. I get transformed. It happened in the Old Testament it's even more, it happens in the New Testament. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, that as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We need to make space to encounter God, to experience Him. And that's what we're going to do. We've, we've, we feel led by God. We're going to change up the diary for next term. Um, and we've decided that we're going to set aside 40 days to hunger after God. We're going to seek after him. We're going to go from the beginning of October. And I know that seems an awful long way away when you're only at the beginning of July. But from beginning of October to midway through November, we're going to have a season of time as a church where we're going to make extra space for him. We are his people. We are defined by him. We are in Christ. He is our identity. And it is right and it is fitting that as we look to push out in fresh ways missionally, we first of all turn our eyes, turn our gaze to him and have an encounter 
with the risen Lord of glory. Therefore, we're going to set aside time for him. I have four main objectives for us as a church. Firstly, that we will be increasingly prayerful as a church community. We want to, if you don't know how to pray, we want to teach you how to pray. We want your hunger and passion to pray to increase. We want to experience fresh intimacy with the Holy Spirit and enjoying him. We're going to increase in holiness and obedience. I found the further I walk with the Holy Spirit, the greater I need to have my life sorted out when it comes to obedience and holiness. And lastly, we're going to go into it with an increased expectation of the Holy Spirit's work amongst us. I want to see more of God when we gather together as his people called out by his name. They're the four things that we're going to be going after. It's a reflection of where I find myself personally. I can't do this on my own. I can't do it on my own. I, I need God. You know, we can't do this on our own. We need him. And my prayer for us as a community of people, actually, is over the next few months, we get increasingly hungry for God. That we don't fill our lives with other things that just dull our sense of him, you know, a bit too much TV, just lounging around or whatever my personal pastime would be. Not that any of those things are necessarily bad, they're just not the best. And at times it's good that we put certain things aside in order that I may pursue him. I may pursue him. I feel that this passage, Joshua chapter 5, is so timely for us as a community of people. And before we're warriors, we want to be worshippers. Before we can conquer cities, we want our hearts to be conquered by God. And I think that's where we're at as a church. We're on the edge of so much promise but it will be fueled as we meet with God, as we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. It will be fueled by an encounter with the promise giver. So that's where we're going next term. And I want to encourage you to come on this adventure with me, with me and Steve, with us as a leadership team. I want to encourage you, don't wait until October. Start praying. Start seeking God now. Go for it. Open your heart up. See what he will do in your life. Why don't you stand? Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to finish. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we know you, the promise giver. Thank you for all the incredible work you have done in our life already. I just want to pray, Lord, would you increase our hunger for you. Lord, where our appetites so easily get filled with lesser things, Lord, I ask you more and more, would you highlight them? Lord God, that we might set aside time for you. Lord, just to pray, to seek your face, to love your word more, to read your word, to worship. Maybe even this week for some of us, we're going to be face down worshipping you for the first time. We've never done it before, but we do it just because we want to meet with you afresh. Oh, Lord God, come and do mighty things in us as a church. We are so excited about what you're calling us into. We're so excited about how you're strengthening the team. We're so excited for everything you've got for San and M. Lord, we're just excited about what you've got. And we ask you, Lord God, would you increase our hunger, increase our passion for you. Do not allow us to settle for less. 
Don't allow us to waste our lives on lesser things when you call us to pursue you. Oh Lord, give us a holy appetite for you, we pray. In your precious name, as a church together we say, Amen.